0: Hello and welcome to another episode of a Brothers Creed podcast where we talk about motivation, experiences, and exploring the world around us. We're the Thomas Brothers. I'm Ethan. And I'm Jared. And today we
1: have Aaron Boone on from Millennial Manliness. Uh, he, Aaron is a former pastor, and he shares an interesting perspective on manliness with us. And uh, he talks about, uh, he shares four tenets with us, uh, uh, four Ps of manliness, as we'll talk about, and they're really impactful, and it's really interesting to see uh from his perspective exactly what uh, God wants us to be as far as uh, masculinity and manlyhood. So uh, let's go ahead and dive in. All right, let's do it.
0: You can't climb the ladder of success with your hands in the pocket.
2: We will not go quietly into the night.
0: They tell me you're manly, true grit.
2: I am the one who knocks.
0: Don't ever tell me what I can
1: not do, ever.
2: That's how winning is done.
1: All right, Aaron, thank you for joining us today. We've got Aaron Boone on, who's uh, actually, you're you're a original North Carolinian as well, right?
2: Yes, sir. Born and raised in uh, Asheville, North Carolina, so up in the mountains.
1: Nice. We're just a stone's throw or in, over in Charlotte area, so <laughs> technically I'm in Fort Sounds Mill, but Charlotte area. <laughs> gotcha. So. Okay. Welcome to the show. Aaron has his own his own podcast called Millennial Manliness. Mm-hmm. Uh, he shows a lot of good stuff on there, and so, Aaron, we're really excited to have you on today to talk about... A topic that really I, I think needs a lot of attention these days and that is manliness uh, and, and positive manliness what that means to be a man uh, for your family and for I see pictures of your family there uh, you're, you're a family man Ethan and I each have four kids and so uh, it is a uh, I have four boys and Ethan has three boys and a girl yep nice. so you know being a father figure and a, and a a role model is something that we are focused on i think a lot of other people too so i'm uh, really excited mm-hmm. to hear this conversation today
0: so welcome
2: thank you thank you thank you for having me guys i really enjoy it's my first uh guest spot on a podcast so if i don't do too too good on it then that's why but you know, i'll do my <laughs> best on it and look forward to talking with you guys well, we we
0: pride ourselves in our editing skills so you'll be good yeah we'll, we'll make hey, it look there good. we go no, okay.
1: <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll make you look good Um, so I think first, Aaron, I know that you have a very, a pretty interesting backstory and I think that that Mm -hmm. kind of ties in with your whole story. So I'd like it if you could maybe walk us through your backstory uh, and then help us tie that into the broader conversation about masculinity.
2: Sure. Yeah. I was, um, like, like I said, I was born and raised in, uh, Asheville, North Carolina, lived there 23 years, um, being from there, being born there, I, had a pretty normal start to life. Then around 10, 10, 11 years old, my dad ended up leaving and divorcing my, my mom. And then my brother who's half brother, I should say. um, And he ended up, he was around 18 at the time. So he just left and did his own thing and never really heard from him again. And so from 10 on, it was me and my mom and my grand, my mom's parents lived nearby. So we spent a lot of time with them, ended up moving in with them. And so during my formative years, I had no real uh, de- a father influence in my life. I had, a, I had a couple men that stepped up at the church we were going to that uh, mentored me uh, it, to the best of their abilities and just tried to fill in that spot. I had my grandpa, grandpa for a couple years until he passed. And so mm-hmm. we, having grown up with that, I strove and my drive was to try to make everybody happy. I felt looking back at it and sort of reflecting on on growing up, I thought that my dad leaving was my fault somehow. And so I tried my best to make everybody happy. I, I wanted to say, okay, what, what do people think I should be doing with my life? Okay, I'm going to do that. And that's how I ended up actually going to Bible college and becoming a pastor. Yeah is because I thought that's what people wanted me to do. It wasn't for the right intentions. I I completely thought it was and was just trying to pursue it because everybody's like, that's great. We're happy for you. We're proud of you. And that just reinforced that drive for me to try to do that. And so as I continued through college all four years, ended up meeting my wife um, my junior year of college, she came down as as a freshman from Nebraska. And so I met her. And we ended up dating and then got engaged right after I graduated and spent about a year and a half, two years back in North Carolina, um, thinking we were going to move up to the Maryland area to start a church with a buddy of mine and ended up taking on a assistant pastor position here in Missouri where I'm at currently. And through that, not knowing what the Lord was doing, but through that, I was able to truly understand that I was living a lie. Because my whole three years as an assistant pastor were miserable. My wife, I would come home and my wife would just see that she's like, something's not right. She's like, you're just not happy. There's no joy. What is going on? And in the, and in, I would, I just. I was going to yeah. say, in
0: the back of your mind, you're trying to put on this happy face and say, you know, mm-hmm. oh, everything's great. Everything's great. But you're like, what did I get myself into?
2: hundred percent. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. I was trying to pull the wool over everybody's eyes. I was like, okay, I just got to keep my keep my happy face on, like you said. Just try to make sure I'm I'm enjoying. And I I I mean, I love the people at that church. We're still at that church currently, and so so was it just giving? Yeah, was it
1: just like the, the the work of being a pastor or a uh, an assistant pastor? Just that work was grinding or was it just because I mean, imagine in that in that realm, I'm not sure what exactly that you were mm-hmm. doing, but you're dealing with a lot of people's problems and helping counsel mm-hmm. them. I, I imagine some of that is is rewarding, but some of that is taxing, yeah. definitely taxing.
2: Oh, for sure. Yeah. And it was rewarding um, to do it. We worked with a lot. We worked with young people a lot and I did a lot of the outreach and stuff like that. But yeah. it was just the fact that it wasn't what God called me to do. And that's just there was no backing Mm -hmm. of that. And so that's what just made it that grind is just like I was fighting against what God wanted me to do Mm -hmm. by trying to do what I thought he wanted me to do. And so all that came to uh, to a stop around Thanksgiving of 2017, when basically God broke me down and said, look, you've got a choice. Either give up this this facade, give up this lie, take this mask off and do what i want you to do or you're going to lose everything. And i was at the verge of losing my wife, losing my family, just everything was going to come to a grinding halt. And so, so i want to, i want to make one thing clear. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah.
1: It's not that you it's not that your facade was like you didn't have faith or you didn't believe or or you had a faith crisis. It's just that you didn't feel like the job that you were doing was what you were meant to be doing. Is that correct? Or was it a faith
2: Well, it crisis? actually did. It did actually boil down to a faith crisis. I I thought I was truly saved, but I wasn't. Um, I never, there, there was no inner working of the spirit that I could feel. And so so you're going through the motions, but you weren't
1: feeling mm -hmm. the, okay. yeah, A lot of people do that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And so it boiled down to that ultimatum where it's just clear as day. God's like, okay, this is your last chance. I've given you the last 18 years to try to get this right. And now here's your chance. And so I ended up having to step down from the position of, of assistant pastor. And I was, I mean, to a degree, I was afraid because I was like, oh, people now know. And now it's just like, okay, nobody's going to look highly upon me anymore. But at the same time, it was like, okay, now I'm actually free to do what God wants me to do. And I didn't know what it was at first. I, I spent the next year, year and a half saying, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? I mean, we stayed at that church as active members and we still are there. Um, still active in a lot of the things there. And so I picked up my job selling paint um, and just making a living on that. But then I I spent the last year and a half saying, Lord, what do you want me to do? And it wasn't until we have two, we have two kids. I have a daughter who's six and a son who is three. And it wasn't until the birth of my son that the Lord really hammered home. Okay. You now have a little man to teach and you don't know the first things about being a man. (laughs) And so that's what drove me to start millennial manliness is having a son that now I'm responsible for. Yeah. And I mean, Jared, you said you have four and Ethan, you say three, three. So there you go. <laughs> and Ours are still the,
1: real and, little, real little. So we're, yeah. we're just getting into it, but, but definitely. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, and I will say my, my son's three, so oh, I'm just okay. trying to you're, get everything set three. up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Just trying to get everything set up. So this way, when he gets to that point, I've got some groundwork to go ahead and work with him on. And that's what led to, to what I'm doing and just, and honestly working as a salesman, I travel across three different States. So I'm meeting guys from Kentucky, Illinois, uh, parts of Arkansas, Missouri. And I'm seeing that a lot of these men are struggling with the same thing. And that's what led me to develop this, this, uh, Mm -hmm four-point system that I'm kind of coming up with on what true masculinity, especially from a Bible perspective, is. And so that's how I've got to where I'm at right now and doing what I'm doing.
0: I, I like that. I mean, whether I think whether you're religious or not, I think there's a lot of times within our own lives um, that we kind of have these, I don't know, maybe many crises that we, we feel that mm-hmm. we're we're not doing what we're meant to do, or we're not living up to our full potential. And I think that's scary. Um, I, I think mm-hmm. we've all probably been in that situation before. Um, but being able, I think it, it takes huge uh, willpower to be able to step back and to say, you know, whether it's recognize that maybe I lack faith right now or to step back and, and, and to say, you know, maybe I'm, I'm weak in this specific spot and, kind of take take a look at where you are and then pivot and move forward. Um, you know, and not get stuck in this, you know, oh well I, I wasted four years of my life doing this one thing that that I didn't particularly like and whatever else. And you know, like, well, all of that has made you who you are today. Now pivot to something better and grow from it and and I think that's a, an awesome thing to, to see in other people as well as recognizing a, a problem or recognizing an opportunity and saying that is what I'm interested in and I'm going to I'm going to pursue that. And so I think that's 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 really commendable and I I think there's in today's day and age, you know, when they talk about toxic masculinity and all these different types of things that, you know, it's it's almost like oh being masculine is bad i don't I don't believe that at all. I believe that you can be you know masculine and and gentle and masculine and smart and masculine and tough and masculine and 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 whatever you're doing um, and I think it's just uh, finding that and like you had said, teaching that to not only those that come after us, our kids, you know, Jared and I's kids range from six to newborn, almost seven to newborn. Mm -hmm. And so we're at this point to where we're like, we're really building up these, these creatures, right? These, these creatures of habit, these, these little humans, what are they going to think? What, you know, what kind of confidence are they going to lead? How are we going to help direct them to, 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 to live their fullest, uh, their fullest potential? So, um, I, I really like that story and in that in that path basically in and where you're going.
1: Yeah, one thing I like about your story is that you know you've had this traumatic experience in your past and and really you I think a lot of people fall into the scenario where they just kind of do things because maybe that's what's expected of them. And in your case, uh, the mix of trauma, then also what was expected of you, you just came to a point where you're like, I can't do this. I need to. And also, you know, it seems, it seems like several things collided at once and it was also like maybe this faith mm-hmm. crisis at the same time and you're just like, okay, I need to do what I want to do. And uh, and then it sounds like you maybe you just took a step back and said, okay, I need to do something else. And then, you know, from what I, our, our conversation earlier, you said you, you you still go to that church with all those folks, so maybe mm-hmm. you rediscovered your faith. And that's sometimes important too, mm-hmm. to rediscover our faith. And, and that's something that I think is so important is that, You know, if you, uh, you know, believe in God and Jesus Christ and in the scriptures or whatever it is, uh, I think that we need to reaffirm that on a daily basis Mm -hmm. or even, you know, a a very regular basis. I think a lot of times uh, we, you know, we get complacent and we go through the motions uh, and we just go to church and we just, you know, do the thing. But really inside we're not feeling it and that can lead to... Uh, at the end, of, you know, down the road, you're like, "What am I even doing? I'm just doing this out of habit," and then you just stop going, which is, I think, happened to a lot of people during COVID. Uh, you know, the churches mm-hmm. shut down, and they're just like, "Well, wh- why was I even going in the first place? Because it was just habit, and now that I'm mm-hmm. out of the habit, I have no reason to go because they have no relationship with God." So, uh, I think that's so important to continue, uh, continue doing that.
2: Mm-hmm. So oh, yeah, that's, that's that's actually a fantastic point.
0: Yeah. That's all i was gonna say. <laughs> um, no i was i was gonna ask you you know so in, in this journey you've obviously learned a lot and and you've grown today's day and age masculinity and kind of these masculine attributes can be you know portrayed as aggression and anger and domineering and and mean or bullying other men or whatever or, or disrespectful to women i don't think it's any of the specific things but uh and maybe in some aspects but uh what does masculinity look like for you how does that
2: yeah. yeah so masculinity as i've come to take time to think about it and like i said how culture portrays it we constantly see that domineering aggressive alpha male type that treats everything like it's his property uh from his girlfriend to anything else and will do anything to overstep anybody to get what he wants that's that caricature that, that culture wants to portray due to whatever basis they have for it is just not accurate whatsoever. True, true masculinity to me boils down to four things. And that's kind of what we'll, that, what I mentioned, Jared, when we talked. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go through those. Those those are great. uh, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the first thing really that a, a, a man does is a man pursues, he pursues his purpose And then he pursues his relationships as men. We were created by God to be active, to be men that pursued not just the day-to-day things that we need, like our food and our shelter and all those different things. As you look through, through ancient history and such, but to also pursue those relationships in our lives, those relationships with our wife, with our kids, with our friends, our, our brothers and sisters, our and even our relationship with God. I mean, God desires us to pursue after Him. It's the whole idea of that relationship that we have, just like a, a child and a father. I love it when my kids run up to me when I get home from work and say, Oh, daddy's home. And they come give me a big hug and want to talk and play and do whatever. It's that same aspect. We should be pursuing God that way, where each and every day we're pursuing the purpose that He has for us. And so when I think about purpose, like I said, that a man pursues his purpose. Like I said, I was pursuing what I thought was my purpose, but I had no idea. I was like, I was pursuing the wrong thing and I wasn't happy. I think if if you find what makes you happy and you find what gives you that peace and that joy, that's the purpose that God has for you, no matter what it is. And you should pursue after it 110% and get get after it and get going for it. And so that's the that's the first key foundation I established for what a man truly is, is a man pursues. Now, some people do take that as, okay, well you got that competitive edge. Yeah, men are competitive. I got I am a very competitive guy when it comes to sports or games or whatever it is. I want to win. I mean, our church has started doing like dodgeball games after church on <laughs> like every other week or so, and I go in there with the full intention of winning. I want to win. But it just it adds to that fun. I mean, that's just a that's a guy thing. We play with with the some of the ladies and younger ladies in the church, and you can see that their drive is just not there to win. So they like sort of like get over in the corner and sort of stay there. <laughs> but as as guys, we're naturally born to to pursue victory, to pursue that excellence. And so that's what that's what established it for me is like, okay, I got to figure out what my purpose is, and then I got to pursue after those relationships. A lot of going back to except like how culture did, uh, Determines masculinity, how they describe masculinity. You remember the, the Gillette ad that they came out with yeah. a couple of years back, I think it was. And they they pers- they they personified men as just that they are just, just going to go after everything and going after women, going after all this. And, and yes, we pursue our wives and and those that we are attracted to if we're dating or whatever it is. We pursue after them. Yes, that's part of it. But then when we get married and we establish that family. That pursuit should not stop. And I think that's where a lot of guys make their mistakes is that that pursuit stops. Like, oh, well, I'm married now. But I saw a tweet the other day from a a, a guy I follow. And he says, never stop romancing your wife. Never stop pursuing your wife. And that's very true. Yeah, I mean, We always talk about the honeymoon phase or, or whatever it is. And you're like, oh, well, they're out of the honeymoon phase. They've been married for three, four years. I'm going on 10 years this year being married and and it's just like I now have a new drive to make it like those first couple years when I was just I mean everything was like okay I want to make my wife happy I want to take her on dates I want to do all this I mean of course when kids come around they sort of change those schedules up a little bit but that idea of pursuit should never stop and it shouldn't be for our kids it shouldn't be for our friendships that we have that pursuit should be there so that's the first thing I established in that um, yeah, I like and, that. Yeah,
1: well, I was just going to say, I, I like that act, the act, the pursuit, uh, portion of that. I, mm-hmm. I think it, in my mind, what I'm kind of hearing is just being an active person. You know, when I think about, you mm-hmm. know, biblically, I think about the Lord giving the parable of the talents where he gives people, uh, different, uh, you know, it's a parable of a guy who gives people different co- amount of coins. And then he comes back later and he's like, like what'd mm-hmm. you do with that? And so I the Lord expects us to go out there and get it, uh, and be, Uh, I Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily think that that's just manliness, but I think that that is an aspect of what, how, what we should be. And, uh, when you see a pursuit, I mean, go out and get it, go out and get your passions, uh, pursue the things that you want, uh, and be actively engaged in a good cause. Uh, and so I, I totally, Mm -hmm. totally agree with that.
2: Yep. And then I moved on from there. I was like, okay, what's the second thing that a man needs to do? And so I moved into a, a true, a true man will provide. I mean, that's that's part of the key of why of why we were created the way we are, is that men should be the ones out there providing for their families, but even not just for married men, even single men that that will be listening to this. You got to provide even thinking ahead, like that whole idea of purpose, that whole idea. If you are pursuing a marriage, you need to be thinking ahead of that and saying okay, what do I need to do now to provide for my future wife, whether you've met her or you haven't? What do I need to do now to provide for my kids? and bettering yourself, so you're providing for yourself and it boils down to three three areas: physical, spiritual, and emotional. I mean, those are three things we should be providing for our families, providing yes, of course, the necessities, a warm house to stay in, warm clothes, a car that runs properly, and and food, all those necessities that we should that we need for life but also providing for the emotional needs. And that's where a lot of guys, I think, struggle. And and I, I'm not saying I'm perfect at it. I, I was raised, the time I had with my dad, he was very much a, uh, a the old style of, okay, don't show your emotions, don't show weakness, don't show this. And I'm not saying I, I am one that cries at the drop of a hat, I'm not, but there is a time where emotions are necessary. There's a time where some vulnerabilities should be shown by men. And that's something that I strive to do with with my son is okay, understand now, yes, you're mad. Okay, your sister did something to you, and you're upset. Okay. His first reaction is to go out there and just just start beating up on her. I'm like, okay, I know you're three, but let's start working on that now. Your your answer is not right on that. And then there's times where it's like, okay, should you be crying about this? Okay, no. Or yes. Okay, what's made you upset? And let's sort of work those things out and teaching him that okay, there is a time for emotions to be shown. But there's also a time where emotions need to be checked to get something done. And so that idea of providing him that emotional support that he needs, knowing that emotions naturally aren't bad, because that's another thing culture strives to do is that men are just, they're animals that don't show any emotion. They don't care about anybody when that's just not the case. I mean, we should care about those around us and show those emotions.
0: I think a lot of times, too, um, in, in media and TV shows and everything else, they always portray the man or the father as some imbecile, right? They, per- they portray him mm-hmm. as, like, you know, some some dummy that can't, you know, w- would be just, wouldn't be, w- would be nothing and, and wouldn't be able to survive alone if, if you know, they didn't have, um, you know, other people to support them and to do everything for them or to cook and to clean and everything Basically, else.
1: Basically, just they portray the man as what, another one of the children,
0: Yeah. Which I've never liked that. I've never liked that. I felt that that's, I've felt that that's demeaning to, to, to my own masculinity and to manhood in general. Um, you know, and, and to say, well, what if it was the opposite way around? What if it was like they were portraying, you know, a, a, a wife like that, that would be incredibly insulting. And so um, I, I've talked with my wife about that a lot. And I'm, we, we watch a show and I'm like, am I like that? And she's like, no. Like, well, okay, well, maybe that's good. You know, or, or how can I be better at a certain one thing or the other? So, uh, yeah, really interesting. I like that.
2: Yeah, and that's, that's actually a great point because you think about how often we just, that's our, our way of unwinding is watching TV. And we're allowing ourselves to question ourselves based on some character on a show. And so sometimes it's even necessary, and I'm striving to do this for myself. Start, I mean, here recently I've been thinking about this. Just sometimes, instead of watching TV, let's just turn it off and either talk or read, or like I said, I can work on uh, different stuff for my site. Doing something that's more productive than just just watching TV. Now, TV is not bad, but what am I doing? What am I using my time for? Because then I do find myself, just like you, Ethan, questioning. Okay, am I like that? Yeah. or I'll see us like, oh, okay, I did that before, not too long ago. Okay. Yeah. So I must be just like this guy. So it causes you to question a little too much, but, but yeah, when you think about providing, we got to think about every aspect. Okay. What are, what are we providing for our kids in regards to, like I said, their, their spiritual needs and their emotional needs? What are we allowing them to watch? I mean, that comes into the next part a little bit more, but it's the same thing. What am, what am I providing for my kids to, to take in, and influence them beyond what my wife and I do.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say one thing that is important to to me and my family, and I think you, you know, Ethan is in you as well as that, that spiritual uh, uh, providing spiritually. And, you know, in my family, what we do is, that you know, at least every Monday, or sometimes Sunday evenings, we get together as a family, and we Uh, we do some type of spiritual lesson. And I know the kids are real young at this age. You know, they don't understand a whole lot, but they can understand a few things. And so we talk, especially this upcoming season of Easter, what we're actually planning to do is we're planning to, uh, you know, plan out that week and and every single day of, you know, what they call Holy Week, um, we plan on, you know, Talk. Now we're not we're not Catholics, but you know the Catholics celebrate Holy Week quite a bit. But I just I really like that aspect of mm-hmm. it. And so every day we're going to talk about you know what did the Savior do this day and and and, and use that as a teaching tool uh, and kind of as like a family tradition to kind of introduce that sure. to them. And I just think it's so important because lots of people, lots of men, give up their their uh, basically their. Uh, so- domestic sovereignty to the school system or to someone else or to the primary teachers or, you know, church leaders or whatever, or the scout leaders. What's well, like, no, you're the man of the family. You're responsible for your kid's education. You're responsible for their spiritual well-being. You're responsible for their emotional well-being, their emotional intelligence. Everything, the buck stops with me and my wife. And so, um, you know, everybody else is just a support role. And I think the government sometimes... Flips that because maybe people are so lazy. The government says, "Well, we have to take control because people aren't doing their jobs." Uh, in my mind, I want the government less involved in my life and let me take the reins uh, so that I can do that. That's a, that's
2: a whole other discussion. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, that that truly really is. But no, that's that's a great point because I mean the Bible is so clear that the that the husband, that the father, is the the spiritual head of the home. You should be the one initiating those discussions. Now, my wife is phenomenal at that. And she will, she'll teach the kids because she's home with them. She's a stay-at-home mom and we're homeschooling our daughter. And so she gets those opportunities one-on-one to to teach her. But when I, when you think about it, like I said, Deuteronomy teaches it and other, other passages, I mean, the Bible's clear. It says that if a man doesn't provide for his family, he's worse than an infidel. I mean, that's strong language that God uses to show the importance of the man providing for the family. And so that's, that was something that just resonated with me is that, okay, not just providing physically, because that's where a lot of men stop, is that, okay, I'll just provide physically, I'm getting the paycheck in, I'm getting I'm putting food on the table, I got a house, keeping the house maintained, that's okay, that's all I'm doing, I'm checking out, instead of taking it to that next level and say, okay, I may not be the most emotional person in the world, but how am I providing, I think of a, a buddy of mine who had a church who has six daughters, so they don't have He doesn't have any sons. He has all daughters. So I'm like, "Wow, I got one and that's enough for me <laughs> on that. So, but, but he's, I mean, he's such a great example of providing for the emotional needs of his, of his family. And that's something I've learned a lot from him just by watching him, not necessarily even talking to him, but just watching how he handles because he's got a teenager all the way down to a newborn. And it's just like that age range that he can handle so masterfully that shows that god is working with him and it's been such an encouragement to me to see that because that's something that's always been a weak spot for me and so finding those people like you said to to be that support to be that help they're not they don't take the responsibility but they're there to help you and to lift you up and that comes in a little bit later in my my list here uh looking at that so but looking at after providing the next step in in any kind of growth as a man is you're protecting. We're protectors. That's that's how God created us is we are to be protectors. Yes, physically and spiritually. Protecting our kids, protecting our wife, protecting their honor. Um, I see a lot of things. It's just like guys, a lot of guys today just don't seem to be in tune with what their wife needs, not just physically, but emotionally and spiritually and, and the time they need. That A lot of men just think, okay, well, I, I gave her a gift on her birthday or I remembered her anniversary or whatever it is, and they think that's enough. When the wife, deep down inside, she's like, I just want him to give me time. I just want to to spend time with him. I just want to talk with him. I just all I want to do. Give you an example, a little little story from from my life. My wife, she's she's a headstrong woman. She's she knows what she wants and she will pursue to get it, but she is. An amazingly supportive wife as well, and as a young man, I thought, okay, every every Valentine's Day or every birthday, I had to get her flowers. And so one day, I was like, okay, she was working part time at the library, so I was like, okay, I'm gonna go get some flowers. I'm gonna go surprise her at the library. And it was just funny because I walked in thinking, okay, great, I'm doing this romantic thing. It's gonna be great. And I see the look on her like a look on her face when I walk in. She's like, what are you doing? And she was just not impressed. She's like, Why did you get me these? She's like, Do you know how much these cost? I'm like, Well, yeah, I just paid for them. She's like, You could have just taken me out to eat, or you could have just saved that money we could have just spent time together. She's like, That's all I need.
1: That's not her love she language. She's straightforward <laughs> with me. She's
2: like, No, yeah, it's not. Yeah, exactly. And she's like, That's all I need from you, is I just want time with you. She's like, That's all I want. And she just she was laid out straight for me. But some ladies don't do that, some ladies aren't that out that straightforward. And so men are left guessing. So if there's no communication, you don't know what to do to not only provide, but also to protect them. Okay, What, what weaknesses do you have spiritually that I can help you in, that I can encourage you in, that I can lift you up in? Uh, what, what do I need to pray for you about? I mean, we think that we're connected at the mind as husband and wife, but we're not. There has to be that communication so we know what are we protecting them in? What are we doing for them? And the same with her kids. I mean, my my kids are totally different, different people. My son's very laid back. My my daughter is super energetic and straightforward, social. I mean, she will talk to anybody. My son's more reserved. So okay, so how am I gonna protect them? Knowing my daughter's very social, I got to teach her. Okay, look, you can't just run up to everybody. Um I mean, there's one day she ran up to the garbage guys picking up our trash. I mean, we didn't even know we were in the house. She ran outside, just ran up to the street to go talk to them, just because she wanted to meet them. I'm like, <laughs> sweetie, you can't do that. <laughs> um, so teaching her, like I said, how to how to ch- channel that in and say, yes, I want you to be social, but I also have to protect you too. <laughs> and so using that as a teaching opportunity, and so just different things like that. That there's so many things that like. Like, uh, Ethan, you said about men in, in media, they're always portrayed as imbeciles. They're always portrayed as they don't think they don't, they don't do anything productive. And that's very true in those stories, but that's not how men should be. Men should be thinking ahead. We should be thinking into the future. Okay. I got to set my daughter up to, to find the right man. I've got to set my son up to be the right man. I've got to help protect my wife. If she's in situations where I'm not there, I mean, what am I doing to protect them in every aspect and some guys just don't think about that.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that's a, such a such a powerful thing. Like when you talk protection, that includes so many things. And, and really part of the, what we've really tried to do on our podcast is really Provide a lot of different experiences and ideas for guys of, of, of kind of how to do that. We talked about uh, one of our, our recent episodes about home readiness and tactical readiness. Uh, mm-hmm. How to prepare for situations in your home if something were to arise. Uh, we've talked well, actually our next episode after the one we do with you. Uh, I, I believe it's it's about love languages uh, and how to do that correct mm-hmm. communication with your wife. Uh, and then you know protecting your kids from stuff on the internet. I mean this is something that. Well, my parents, they didn't know about uh, because, you know, they were just so new to the Internet. It's like, oh, the Internet, you know, it's a new thing. Uh, but now we know that there's a lot of stuff out there. And so, you know, there's it's a, it's a different world. Uh, even when your kids are playing games, if my kids are playing Minecraft. I don't want them chatting with anybody or doing anything, you know, o- online because someone could say mean things. And you got to prep your kids to prepare for a situation where someone does say something like that or or send them something or. So uh, there's a lot of that out there, and it's just important for us as fathers to be have our heads on a swivel and be aware of what's going on. Don't be passive. Uh, be active. And that goes back to the first one that you said.
0: Yeah, I, I like...
2: Yeah, that's something... Oh, go ahead.
0: No, I was just going to say, as we're talking about this and as you were talking, Aaron, kids are so, in my experience, they're so impressionable. I mean, it's like they, they hear something and they lock onto it, and it's like... You know, my kids will watch a movie and they'll be quoting half of the movie back to me. And because, you know, and I'll watch a movie, it's in the background and I won't even remember what it says. And uh, language and how we speak uh, came across my mind whenever we were, we were talking about this. You know, my son is, is six years old and he hears stuff at school all the time. And, you know, he, he goes to elementary school and I guess there's all the way up to fifth graders on the bus and he came home from the bus the other day and he was like dad the the kids on the bus on in the back of the bus were not saying very nice things and and um i was like well what were they saying buddy and he and and his little brother and little sister were, were standing right there and he goes i don't want to say in front of them <laughs> and i was like okay all right so so go. my wife pulled him off to the side and um and was like well what were they saying you know we were trying to t- to talk with him and i can't remember exactly what it was but it was just like you know, where are these kids hearing these types of things, you know, and it's not like these kids were 15 year olds either, they were maybe a, a year, nine years old, and you have kids cursing and all this other kind of stuff, and and kids just soak all this stuff up, you know, I don't curse, uh, you know, and so whenever I can, I don't know, maybe I'm watching TV or something like that, and I hear cursing, it's just kind of like you know, I I have the maybe the the mental fortitude to say okay, you know, and just just slough it off. But if my kids hear that, they don't particularly know what it means. They don't know uh, what they what it is, and, and not to say it and everything else. And so they they'll pick up on these things, and and they're a lot more impressionable. And so just being able to protect them, and like you said earlier, with with things that they watch, protect them. Make sure that they are, uh, that that you they're being uh monitored and, and be actively engaged in, in, in what they're learning and everything else. Um and just keep that communication open. Uh, if they feel the if they feel like they can come to and talk to you about something, then then I think you're doing a good job as a parent. Um, you know, mm-hmm. whenever my son came to me and told me that, I was just I was like, you know, well, good job. You know, I, I think I gave him like a treat or something like that and was just like, hey, you know, great job telling me about it. And, and you know you weren't saying those things, were you? And he's like, "No, of course not." And I was like, "Okay, uh, you know, we we are respectful to people, we are kind to people, and and so uh, it's just something to be careful about, Just a kind of a you know a word to the wise, and, and, and a little bit of a warning is be careful. Even you know, like if the kids aren't even if they're in the same room and you're watching some TV show, they might not be paying attention, but they're definitely hearing it and they're soaking it up.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I, uh, okay. Mm-hmm. No, go ahead. I just have a funny story. Uh, one time, we were watching uh, Lord of the Rings uh, when my son was real young, and he walked in the room uh, right when there was like a like an orc or something like that, and just like going ah, you know, at the camera, and he saw it and he just lost his mind. He was probably like <laughs> one and a half or two. And I was like, oh man, he's going to be traumatized for the rest of his life now.
2: <laughs> hmm. But that's something like you just said that. And I, I take nothing against the the older generation. They had their struggles that they fought with in raising us and raising and even raising like our parents. Like I think about our grandparents, they had their struggles that they had to protect their, their kids from. But just how it's just become exponential in the day and age we live in because of the Internet, because of streaming services, because of TV and, and the amount of content that these kids can get free. At such a young age, like you said, there I I didn't know some of those words when I was that age. I didn't know a lot of the stuff that these kids know nowadays. It's just like, where are you picking this up from? And so I I was talking to somebody at one of my stores the other day, and he's like, Aaron, he's like, I I wanna be a good dad. He's a young guy, he's got a, a young, a young kid, and he's like, I wanna be a good dad. He's like, but I, I just I'm working so hard. I've got two jobs trying to make ends meet, and I just I'm so tired when I get home. Like, well, I understand that. I get it. We all are tired when we get home from work. That's part of work is that you you, you're physically and mentally exhausted. I was like, but you can't stop. I was like, you can't shut off when you're home because you don't know what you're going to miss in regards to your kids. And in regards to your spouse or your girlfriend or whatever the situation is at hand, I was like, we can't stop. I was like, as much as we want to take a time, take time off. And there's time for us to relax and unwind and sort of just decompress from a day. But, if you see something that is involved with your kids like, you've got to take action on it. I was like, you, cause if once you let it slide and you let your kid get away with it, or you let yourself get away with it and just say, I'll deal with it later. You're going to find it easier the second time you do it. And it's just like, that's not, I mean, as hard as it is, and I'm not saying I am perfect. There's days where I get home. I'm like I don't want to do a thing. And I've, I have slipped on some things like that before. And it's just like, man, how quickly our kids can learn that and say, okay, well, Dad's too tired. So I can get away with this now. And I'll, like I said, I love my daughter to death, and she is a sweetheart. But she knows how to use that system to her advantage. She can see when mom's really, really exhausted from the day she had. Her dad's really exhausted. Okay, I can sneak around and get a, get some extra time doing this, or do get away with something here. Because she, I mean, she is a master at it. And like I said, it's just teaching her. Okay, look, you have to respect that mommy and daddy are tired, but you still need to do the right thing. It's just like you you that's required of you. And so that's a way we need to protect them as well as even protect them from themselves. Because we're all born with that that natural desire to get what we want and do what we want and do it however we want to do it. We need to train them up in the way like, hey, look, I should, I could get away with it, but should I? And and trying to develop that in themselves so you can protect them from themselves is a whole nother level too.
1: Absolutely, yeah.
2: Yep. And so looking at that brought me to my final final point that I've, I've built up in this, in my personal philosophy of masculinity my personal understanding of masculinity is that true men will partner up. Okay. So number one, of course, we partner up with our wives. I mean, that, that's a vital relationship that must be protected. That must be nurtured. That must be enjoyed is our relationship with our wife. And so for those listening that are single, don't just grab the first girl you come across, make sure you know that that's the one God has for you. Take your time. You may say, well, Aaron, I'm in my 30s. Okay, fine. Just take your time. <laughs> don't rush into it. Because for me personally, this is my personal view on it and my personal study on it is I don't see divorce as an option. I don't. I my Trust me, I like I said, with my background, my wife could have easily left me for all the stupid stuff I did. And socially speaking, you would not blame her for it but she's chose to stick it out and I've strived to rebuild that trust with her. And that, that's a testament to her. Like he said, I don't deserve that, but she stuck with me. And she's like, I'm not going to divorce you. She's like, we get to work through some stuff, but we will. So that's one reason we have to partner up with the right, right woman. And I know a lot of guys always joke about why well, I married up and, and, I hope you do. I hope you do find somebody that's even better than you because that's what takes you up to the next level as well. But we need to be setting the pace. And so as we partner up with our wives, that's the first and foremost. But number two is we have to partner up with other men. We have to have that brotherhood around us. I mean, you guys are brothers, so you've got that natural flesh bond of brotherhood, but also it seems like you guys get along incredibly well. You work well together. You have that that bond of not just blood brotherhood, but also same purpose, same drive. And that's an amazing thing to see. So we have to have men in our lives that both are younger. And both are older, I look at my church, and I've got men that are a couple years younger than me that I'm really close with. And I've got men that are in their 60s that I'm really close with that I consider brothers that I have not only to look up to, but also to help encourage so it's that balance that we have in bringing up other men, but also looking to other men and saying, okay, I want to be like him. I want to be in this area of life. I want to be like him because he's got it nailed down so we can bond with each other. We can, we can work with each other to gain that next level for everybody. And it has to be that joint effort, both with the spouse and with the the other brothers in our life that is going to take a man to the next level. We can't do it on our own. And that's the whole thing. Yes, personal grit and personal determination does play a part, but we have to have that support system. Otherwise, we are going to fail in one way or another.
1: Yeah. One of the sayings I've always loved is that if you want to go fast, uh, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. Hmm. And uh I, I think that, you know, you're, you're, you're talking about partnership with your spouse. It's it's so important. But one thing I wanted to specifically hit on is that like that brotherhood of of men and just people that you surround yourself with. And that's kind of uh, me Ethan starting a brother's creed. Uh, The brothers aren't just me and Ethan. Uh, We we really want to form a brotherhood here of of folks that want to improve themselves and want to build their own creeds. And and I feel like uh, your creed is never fully finished. You can always refine that. And even if you've got something down, like say you've got uh, humility down pat, you're going to need to remember that and remind yourself of that in another two months. You know, because so we constantly need to be feeding uh, our, ourselves, we're reminding ourselves, remembering, uh, and just building and, and nourishing that creed uh, and being better men. And I think that's uh, one of the main purposes of our podcast. And uh, and that very important last tenet that you mentioned is that that is that's so important to have that network of support because you are what do they say you're the average of the of the five closest people to you. And so if we can surround ourselves with good mm-hmm. people and listen to good things and if folks can listen to our podcast or, or your podcast and they can say hey, you know, that was really inspiring. I, I like that or that was an interesting point of view or that was an interesting or an and, and entertaining uh you know podcast. Uh, that's what we aim for. So absolutely.
0: Mhm. So let's uh let's just quickly review. So the first one was um to uh, pursue, right? mm
2: mm-hmm. Mhm.
0: And then it was to provide. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then protect. Mm-hmm. And then uh, partner. Yep. So those. You <laughs> <laughs> I've been I've been listening. Um, there you go. <laughs> so the the four the four P's right. Um, yep. I, I really like how you kind of formulated and, and stepped through each one of those. You know, started with one thing, mm-hmm. and then said, well, you know, it's 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 kind of like the the five whys, you ask, well, why, well, why, why, why? And you mm-hmm. ask why when you want to drill down to the actual reason of, a, of why you want to do something, you ask a bunch of whys. And uh, that'll lead you to kind of the most pinpointed uh, spot uh, of, of a reason of why you're going to do something. So um, I, I, I think personally having something to, to look forward to. And, and I don't know when you <clears throat> when you had started thinking about these uh, these different tenets of, of masculinity or, or, or manlihood that you have kind of walked through, but I think each personal each person individually needs to say, well what who do I want to be? and then set some goals to achieve that to, to be that person. Um, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, like you said, somebody in the community or someone at church or whatever else, uh, you know, do I want to be like that person or what, what does that person do specifically that I want to emulate or be like, um, one question that I was going to ask, you know, I'm sure, and you've been in the situation, um, I'm sure there's some listeners out there that maybe are in a similar situation where they don't have a fatherhood manly, um, Role model or figure in their life. Where would you suggest that someone find that uh, in their life if they're, if they're if they're if they they're thirsting for it and they and they they want to to have that interaction?
2: That's actually a fantastic question on that um, because when when my dad left, we weren't in church, we weren't um, active in any real real church activity or anything like that, membership or whatever. And so I was sort of like just out there by myself, just like, Hey, what do I do now? Thankfully I had my grandpa there for a couple of years before he passed and he felt it his necessity. And that was my first introduction to a true man was my grandpa because he saw a need in me and said, I don't care what I have to do. I've got to take care of him. And he ended up uh, coming down with cancer and was in the hospital for a little bit and i remember overhearing him he didn't do it in front of me but i was walking down the hall to his his hospital room and he said and i heard him overheard him talking to my mom and he says like i want to get out of here i need to be there for aaron i need to be there to teach him to guide him and he was heartbroken because he couldn't so anybody out there that is in that aspect where you don't have a father you don't have a true masculine true man in your life to teach you and to guide you especially young men look to your grandparents. If you can look to an uncle or somebody in your, in your close family first. And if you don't have anybody there, the next step for me was I, we ended up getting into a good church and the youth pastor of that church saw the need in me to, to have that example. And he took me under teaching me some basics and teaching me some things and spending some time with me. So if you can, like I said, if you don't have that family that's close by that can, that can help take that role up, then go into, try to find yourself a good solid church to get into where you can find a pastor or you can find an older man. Because the Bible is very clear in, uh, I believe it was first or second Timothy, I can't remember exactly where, that he was telling Timothy, who was a young man, a young pastor saying, look, you need to respect the older men in your church. They need to be the ones teaching the younger men. The older ladies teach the younger ladies. It's that same mentorship uh, sort of principle. So look for an older man that can take you under and and spend some time with you, take him out to coffee or take him out to lunch and say, I just want to talk to you. I need some help in some things. But we've got, the first thing you have to do is you've got to be open. You've got to be open to having that mentor because if you find somebody that is going to mentor you, they're going to keep you accountable. And if you're not ready for it, Then you're going to find yourself hurt. and You're going to find yourself leaving. So you've got to make sure I'm ready and this is exactly what I need. And then you can pursue that, that person that you need, whether it be family or at a church or in the community, wherever you can just find somebody that you trust, that you respect and that you look up to, to provide that, that fill in your, in your life there, but you've got to be ready for it.
1: Hey guys, just wanted to take a quick break and say thank you for listening today, and invite you to support us on Patreon. As a loyalist supporter, you get access to two additional episodes per month, which are not released publicly. You can find the link to our Patreon page in the episode description. Let's get back to the show. That's an excellent thing. Um, I, I totally agree. I think one thing I would one thing I would add to that is that scouting could be a, a good option to. Uh, have some male role model leadership. Uh, we, Ethan and I did an episode on scouting a while back. We're, we're both Eagle scouts and, uh, we got introduced to lots of good men in that program. Uh, and so, uh, that was great, but you know, Aaron, Aaron, your, your philosophy here and, and your different steps, uh, they are easy to remember, and I think they're so powerful in, in, in how we can develop that manliness and that masculinity and be true men of God. Uh, or if you're not a man mm-hmm. of God, just be a true man and be a better man. And so mm-hmm. uh, that, that's so powerful and so important. Uh, kind of here towards the end, uh, we always ask our guests uh, a question about their personal creed. Now, a creed is a set of beliefs uh, or principles that guide you in your life. And we've we talked about some of those today, uh, but we wanted to hear maybe a piece of of your own personal creed, if you could share that with us. Mm-hmm.
2: Absolutely. yeah. And actually, this came from our first discussion um, setting this up, is that I never really was posed the question of, okay, what is my personal creed or my personal philosophy for these things? So it really it made me sit down and think about it. I mean, I've been thinking about what we just shared to, uh, this this evening on this, But I was like, okay, if I had to boil it down to a basic principle, I actually came across uh, first Kings chapter two, where David was talking to Solomon near the end of his life. He brings Solomon in. He says, look, he says, I go the way of all the earth, be thou strong therefore and show thyself a man. So I developed my personal creed from that, those principles that he shared with him. And I've, and I've put it down in writing when you challenged me to do that, even though you didn't say I challenge you to do it, you said, (laughs) I, I should do it. So I did. <laughs> yeah, good, 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 Um, but the, yeah, exactly. The, uh, the way I wrote it down was always ready, always strong, always manly. Cause if you break it down, I go the way of all the earth. Every one of us is going to die. So we have to be ready, not just for that, but we have to be ready for anything that life throws. We have no idea what a day brings forth. I woke up this morning, not knowing what was going to happen from the time I left for work to the time I got home to the time I sat down to do this with you guys. We have to be ready for everything. But then he says, be thou strong. Therefore, so we're always strong, always striving to build physical strength as well. I mean, that's one thing that a lot of men today lack, and I'm not the best at it. I'm in the process of regaining, regaining my strength and regaining my health and putting myself back on track. We have to be always strong, but then we always, always have to be manly. He says, show thyself, exemplify thyself as a man. He said, because that's what you have to do. You're always ready. You're always strong and you're always manly. And so that actually how, is how I developed just the other day to wrote that down. It's like, okay, that's going to be my, my personal creed because it exemplifies everything we discussed tonight. It's a simple way to remember it. And it's just one way for me to keep it at the forefront of my mind, w- what I need to be and who I need to be.
0: That's awesome. I, I think one of the keys that you said there is, is keeping it at the forefront of your mind and, um, you know, having it accessible, memorized, and, and, and uh, thoughtfully engaged in, in everything that you do kind of car- carry that in your heart. Um, you, whatever, whatever, you know, that, that's your personal creed. And, and as, as others have their own personal creed and continue to develop that, you know, carry it with you and, and live by those, live by those standards, help it to really a creed helps guide your actions, you know, let that guide your actions. Um, so this this has been this has been great. Uh, I I have really enjoyed um your your philosophies and and your tenets and sharing with us um your ideas and, on on masculinity and and how to grow that in our own life but also how to support that not only with our children but with partnering with other men. I think that is huge as well. Mm-hmm. We have we you know none of us is perfect and none of us has the exact same weaknesses or the exact same strengths. So we can all use our strengths with each other to lift each other up. And I think that that is one thing that's missing in this world. And there's a huge opportunity for, for us to become the best that ourselves can be the best that we can be. So
2: where can our, uh, where can our listeners find you Aaron? Yeah, you can, you can find me on social media. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, and uh, Twitter. Uh, You can just search uh, Millennial millennial Manliness and find me on those. You can also go to my website, www.millennialmanliness.com. I am revamping my uh, podcast, so it'll be going live here soon. Um, It's entitled The Thinking Man's Podcast. Uh, So I'll be going live with that, getting some old episodes put back up and also getting formats like what we just did set up to start doing some deeper dives into some of these things and I had to step away from it for a little bit to just make sure i was doing it the right way for the right purpose so looking forward to bringing that back up but you can find me like i said search millennial manliness on youtube on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and you can find me there. So. Yeah,
1: definitely. We'll put your uh, your socials in the in the show notes, and then we'll also, you know, for those who are listening, you can follow us at a.brothers.creed on Instagram, and we post every day. We post, uh, and we'll definitely tag you, Aaron, in, in those posts, and uh, we post some clips from the episode. We post some funny stuff. We post, uh, you know, different uh, quotes or, or different uh, aspects of the things that we do. So uh, thank you so much, Aaron, for joining us today. We really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, uh, as we always say at the end of our episodes, let's build that creed together. Absolutely. Thanks, Aaron.
2: Let's do it. Yep. Thank you, guys.